1: Hello, fellow Vault Hunters. I'm J. Michael Tatum, and you're listening to The Geek Show.
2: Hi everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of The Geek Show. Your weekly dose of news, discussions and various other things. Basically whatever pops into our head. And today we're going to be talking about that most exotic of places. You know, it's the place where everybody goes to every year just to get that look, just to get that most perfect of tans.
3: It is, of course, London. Um, it's not <laughs> pronounced London. It's London, London, mate, London. It's it's spelled L-A-H-N-D-A-H-N. Oh, not no. Well, not no. Not no.
2: The thing is, it does depend <laughs> on which part of London you're from.
4: That almost came off a tad Australian, there. True.
2: Um, Don't you start. No, no. <laughs> I'm, now I'm back to get a sports. <laughs> um,
3: lots of the Cockneys. Moved over to Essex, though, didn't they? Yes, they That's, have. They couldn't actually afford A lot to live of the East End
2: cockneys have basically moved across to Essex. So Essex is basically where most of the cockneys live. So you don't really get stuff like pearly kings and pearly queens and stuff like that these days.
3: You do see them, but it's not very common. They're like a mythical beast, though. A magical, mythical beast. Yeah, I know.
2: They're still a big tourist attraction.
3: It's, it's not like when you go to Newcastle or Birmingham. Like, you go to Birmingham and there's no Brummies. They're all working Gregs. <laughs> you got <to> Newcastle, <laughs> and they are working Greggs as well.
2: I thought all the Brummies <laughs> in Birmingham were like, uh, wherever there's a racetrack, you'll find a Brummy.
3: Nah, no, no. like sandwich shops and and Gregg's. That's the only place I've ever found a Brummy. Whenever I've been to Birmingham, we have a
4: Brummy lecturer. Just thought I'd say that. <laughs> never mind. Move on. How
3: do you know he's Brummy? Because he said so. That's
4: why. All oh. right. Uh, that, Is he like that, a Pokemon? that kind of uh, solves it? I don't know wouldn't why I took, great? like, so much offence when I said that. It was just hands down and then just looked at you. Don't Seriously, don't
2: though, wouldn't it be great if people had verbal cues that you may, helped you identify exactly which part of England they
3: were so from? So if it was, like, Pokemon, and when went brummy, 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 brummy. And exactly. <laughs> 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 Cotney, 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 cuttney. Joddy, 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 joddy.
5: Smoggy,
4: smoggy, 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 smoggy has
3: appeared.
5: Yeah, scouser, scouser. The thing about the...
3: Scouser. Oh, okay. Scouser. I'm right r- 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 joking into the ground, then that's fine. But uh, the thing about the Teesside <laughs> accent, though, is it's very bland. Mm. It sounds like so many mm. other accents So maybe that could be the one, the country.
1: maybe that could be the one,
3: bland, 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 <laughs> bland, 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 <'Cause> we <laughs> sound you know,
1: That's just because we're from here.
3: No, no, we sound exactly the same as people from Hull, exactly the same. It's uncanny. It's almost indistinguishable between the two people.
1: Yeah, but
2: we could be bland, they could just be Hull, so they'd go around going, Hull, 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 and we'd be bland, bland, bland. Bland, 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 bland. But then I, said, say this, uh, I say
3: this. I say this. Me and You make, Rob's us, you make act- it sound like the weather on Radio Four. Our accents aren't exactly characteristic of Teesside. That's because we have an education. Because you see, I went there. I oh. went there <laughs> a lot. Oh, a lot of the working class. I think you find <laughs> <laughs> talk with, right, around here talk with like a uh, Scouse accents for some reason. I, I don't quite follow that. Yeah, I do, do
2: you know what it is? I think it's too many 20Ps. 20P, mate? No,
3: no. you hey, mate, got 20P. But anyway, we're not talking about that. We are the gig show. It's not accents or riffing. thing. <laughs> this is Quentin Flynn, this. We <laughs> spent How? like one day with Quentin Flynn and we're just fascinated by accents. I don't know why. How long did that last? <laughs> anyway, moving Five on. Minutes, Simon. Who cares? Yeah, Quentin <laughs> Flynn, the voice of Ryden, Like he was at SunnyCon, like, what, 2014? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was just... Like talking to everybody about being fascinated by British accents. Yeah,
2: he's been in the UK a couple of times this year as well. Oh, since I look at him now, and all I keep remembering is the soundbite he did for us, where he's lightning, the rain transformed. And I just want to make a make like a gif of him just when he's talking and and just put that sound bit on there. Yeah. So it just what looks like it? he's saying it.
3: Okay, that works. But anyhow, we have news. We have news.
2: But first, before the news. I am Rob, he uh, is Rob, uh, yeah. he is Andy, and he is Aiden.
3: I've got to say, yes, we are. before we go any further, I did a fine Oxford professor impersonation there. You I've, did. I've yeah. never rolled that one out before, but I was proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. And now it's back in his back pocket. Nah, it's one I can use now. <laughs> right. <I> can use.
2: <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> What's the worst thing you can do to a machine?
3: Oh, don't say that.
2: <laughs> That's a loaded question. What's the worst thing you can give a machine?
3: It's even worse.
2: <laughs> Show it four chan.
3: What's the worst thing you can give a give a machine before showing it four chan? The worst thing you can give a machine is expectations that you love it too, which basically means giving it emotions first.
5: Yeah.
2: If you know, have no, I, I the machine having expectations means nothing if it doesn't have that emotional content.
3: So giving it a machine emotions, it's like your frumpy friend who who. Who realise who thinks you you've had it, like feelings for you all that time and you've been leading it along. Yeah. That is, is the washing machine or whatever.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. A project at MIT's Technology Lab.
5: Yeah.
2: Right? The Massachusetts Institute of Everton. Technology. Sorry, their Media Lab. And it's the project is led by a guy called Daniel McDuff, And the aim is to give machines emotions like joy and fear and various things like that. They're Mm. calling it emotional intelligence, and what they're saying is their project could lead to machines having emotional intelligence, even if they're everyday objects like washing machines and stuff like that. They'll be able to empathize with our moods. For mm. example, a mirror that knows how you feel about the way you look, a fridge that can offer you food that matches your (laughs) state of mind, or a car that recognizes when you're stressed. and. When Andy read this out it, to me earlier, take it that food my, has to
1: be in the fridge.
2: Yeah, He's not going to nip out and get it for you. Possibly, but be really when fine. Andy read this to me earlier yeah. on, my first thought was, "Oh my god, they're going to make the
3: toaster from Red Dwarf." But the thing is, if this needs to work, <laughs> the thing needs a vice, basically, doesn't it? Do
2: you like toast? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like the, the, the so mirror p-
3: endorsement, <laughs> the mirror needs a vice. Not the newspaper, that's horrible. They've got enough of a voice already. And um, A mirror mirror, <laughs> like, on the wall, that'd need a voice. If the it's fridge, a mirror... Uh... The fridge would need a voice, and if it wasn't, like, a husky voice, like, sort of deep American voice. Oh, God, we could give
4: it, like, all kinds of different
3: accents. <laughs> <to feature laughs> Seriously, though. The a husky it's... Texan voice in a sandy field, pouring black coffee.
4: <laughs> References. <laughs> Needs to
3: be bearded. Oh, sorry, ne- ne- bearded. A bearded. bearded. Needs to be a bearded man. Bye, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah
2: needs to be a bearded man it references we're yes. calling back the previous shows there I reckon if you're going to have a mirror that tells you that tells you that you're a strong
3: confident whatever you know woman man whatever then it needs to be a black hairdresser from like uh, Los Angeles you know yeah. Mr. T you don't need no man.
2: <laughs> That's
3: what the mirror what, should be voiced by uh, the, uh, the
2: sassy black, uh, sassy black mama. Yeah, she mm-hmm. won't lose. Of... That's what the mirror should be voiced by. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah,
3: ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> this... Is this how the wick? Uh, the mir- uh, mirror, mirror on the wall, please show oh, me. Oh
2: God, that, that would that be that... like. Allow... <laughs> Can you imagine Snow White
3: and the Huntsman, or whatever it is? <laughs>
2: mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, you got no time for your games, boy. That's the thing, though. If it doesn't have a voice, what what is that emotional intelligence attached to? It's just, it's just. I don't know. It's like a list of recommendations that pop up on like a screen or something. It needs a voice for it to be that oh, emotional yeah. sort of thing. Well, this be, is where know, celebrity endorsement comes in because you can
2: have like the standardized voice, or you can pay a little bit extra and have.
3: I don't know, maybe Patrick Stewart's telling you that you're a strong, confident whoever. No, I want Jeff Goldblum off the the back of his adverts that are on TV right now. Oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) Just telling me how to act in certain uh, situations. I'm an actor, I can do this.
5: (laughs) (laughs) He's 63,
3: 63, you know. I know, but... He saw saw something, he's just too young looking. Yeah, but whoever came up with those adverts, just superb. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I think... It's a neat, a neat enough idea, I suppose. It is but a neat it, enough idea. It has no real. It's, it's just a service to sell, mm. but it needs that voice. Mm. Otherwise, okay. it's just nothing. Who There's has nothing the there. smoothest voice out of
2: every actor Do that we, to... we can think of, or actress who has the smoothest voice? Do we have whose voice is say... like warm chocolate poured down your ears? You're not going to say Morgan Freeman, I'm not going to say Morgan Freeman. I'm just saying. Everyone I'm asking you guys. <laughs> I'm asking you guys to think. Whose voice is like warm honey being poured into your brain?
3: You, now you've asked that, you've got to answer
1: first. I don't know. I'm, that's why I'm asking. Mike Tyson.
3: What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> he, That'd be hilarious. It's the thing about Mike Tyson's voices. It doesn't it's match him, his body at all. He's like an incredibly scary man. <laughs> He's like an
2: incredibly accomplished boxer. Mike Tyson sounds like sounds like a slightly darker version of David Beckham.
4: D- did you see him in like the trailer for Ip Man Three?
2: I did. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Seriously, all you? All, <laughs> If you'd put Mike Tyson in an audio booth with like a banjolele or a banjo or something like that and got him to sing When I'm Cleaning Windows,
3: you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between him and George Farmby. Of course, he'd kick your backside if he heard you say that. <laughs> George Farmby would just be like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Have a George hyper- Foreman <laughs> grill. No, not George
2: Foreman, George Formby. I'm George no, Formby. George when no, I'm no, cleaning no. windows. <laughs> I got confused between George's there. <laughs> Sorry, George Formby is the <laughs> heavyweight champion of the world
5: <laughs> It would be amazing. You'd have to you'd have to put a bit of mass on. <laughs> <laughs> The George anyway, Formby
2: Grill I in the shape say, of a
5: banjo.
3: <laughs> your question—it's probably going to be Antonio Banderas. He's very well known for having like a silky voice. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else who'd uh-huh. sort of replace him. the
1: one who does the no movie trailers. Would be brilliant.
3: Uh, says you don't need no man. <laughs> <laughs> you look fine as you are. Oh, Jeremy (laughs) Clarkson, he also does that, but Jeremy Clarkson's got an incredibly high person attached to him.
2: Antonio Banderas doing the, uh, you know when he did the voice of Puss in Boots? Hmm. Right? He was playing up his voice. He was playing up his voice, but can you imagine that as the, Hmm. as the voice in the morning, first thing in the morning, you wake up, look in the mirror, it's like, don't try to do his voice. Don't try to do his voice.
3: You are extremely handsome this morning. He wouldn't believe that because he knows he's already more handsome than you. I know. He's not saying that you're more
2: handsome than he is. He's just saying that you are extremely handsome this morning. This is coming from an incredibly
3: handsome person like me. I can appreciate when somebody else is handsome. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he has a really trite monologue every morning.
1: You do have to remember, though, at this point in time, this technology is on webcams and it's recognising facial expressions. Yeah. It's not... Up to that
2: even, even,
1: even better. It's, everything has to start
2: you somewhere. You look sad. Right? Mm. Tell me your problem.
3: <laughs> okay, the next new story. Cause Rob's got his voice. So on basically, it. you're just talking to the mirror. <laughs> it's a nice idea, though. It could be used for some decent things. Mm.
2: Yes, and by talking to the mirror, it could be your own best friend as could well. Be scary Nobody's going to as well. assume
3: you're
1: narcissistic in any way. <laughs> Imagine being the first one to. Right, when invent that technology fully and getting caught talking to a mirror. yeah. How would you talk your way out of that? Um, uh, it's Why would good. you want The him? thing is, just if it,
2: if they're using webcams to recognize facial expressions, there's a slight danger that that can then be hooked up to the internet, and then you'll basically be the star in your own version of the Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
3: next, next new start, The world just watching you... <laughs>
2: Can you imagine if, you tr- if you're if you in the front of the mirror and you start doing a risky business, dancing around in your pants <laughs> for the world to see? Okay. Yes. Anyway, next news story. There is a website that will take a photo of your pet, and they will turn that photo into a petable 3D photo relief that you can put in a
3: frame. Now, these things look creepy a little bit, and basically... I'm assuming this is for people who loves their, love their pets so much, when work is getting them down, and workers find work a difficulty, they want to pet their pet at work.
2: Yeah, but what if their pet has passed away? But isn't Get that
1: a new what, pet. Isn't that
3: what people stuff... Taxidermy. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I mean.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in the idea of pets keeping an animal for your entertainment or... Or oh, whatever. It's well,
1: your answer, then. You
3: hmm? just print one and... Uh, my problem isn't the pets. My problem
2: is that this has happened now, and they've used it with pets, and pets are usually a good lead-in for somebody to come along and abuse this technology <laughs>
3: mm. <laughs> sticking certain
2: body parts in it <laughs>
4: so i would go like on. a
2: relief of
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think we'll st- step away from that that just sounds for a wrong second. before you
1: say anything there Rob. can you can
2: you imagine they just go to the website and say uh right i would like every image on this
3: website <laughs> <laughs> well to be honest though any technology like this and people wonder what they can stick in it yep it's just the way it's, it's the way people are I'm, I'm not commenting on anything that's new. It's just a, a basic human it would, truth. It would be something you'd put on your work desk? <laughs> it's just a giant phallus.
1: <laughs> I'm stressed, all right? <laughs> you went through an interview in the office, right? And you just saw it?
5: Well, it'd go, it would be yeah, an icebreaker. It would be an cool. icebreaker. Yeah,
3: yeah. An icebreaker of the, the most amazing sort. But I can understand it. People do love the pets. <laughs> and this might be a way to keep them alive. It might be a way for you to be even more clingy with them. I'm not sure. Oh, God, please, no. No no more cat
2: photos on the internet, please.
4: Oh, God.
2: Can you imagine in 10,000 years, when they, when they look back at the remnants of what was the internet, they're going to think we worshipped cats. It's
3: the Egyptians all over again, though. probably the Egyptians, like, oh, look, 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 he's doing that
5: with, with, with oh.
3: And then they drew it on the wall. <laughs> and because that's all the drew on the wall, we think they're crazy about them. And that's going to happen like, I don't know, a I mean, we, years' time.
2: We mentioned, this, crazy about it. we mentioned this on a show before. The Cat Commandments, you know, commandment number one is going to be, I yeah. has cheeseburger.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It, Why not? All <laughs> I'm references. saying is, in 10,000 years, who knows? It might be. We don't
3: we'll probably know. probably think we're all idiots who have, like, poor grasp of grammar. I has cheeseburger. Has isn't even a word like that. It doesn't have a Z <laughs> in it. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yes. I'm not sure about this one. Right. But then again, I'm not a pet sort of person, so. Okay. It's not really for me.
2: Time for a bit of sciencey, sciencey, science <laughs> news. Right? There is a type of creature called a water bear.
4: Mm. Off to a good start.
2: Right. Isn't that okay. just a nutter? Hang on. A water bear is basically what's known as a tardigrade. And they are famously adorable microscopic creatures who can survive anything, freezing, total dehydration, radiation bombardment, and even the vacuum of deep space. Now scientists have sequenced a tardigrade genome, and they've been very surprised by the results. Because, it turns out, what they found was that 17.5% of the tardigrade genome actually comes from other organisms, including plants, fungi, bacteria, and viruses. These genes entered the tardigrade DNA in a process known as horizontal gene transfer, which is quite common among single-celled organisms, but rare among animals, and these are classed as animals. Basically what it means is if we can synthesize that in humans, we can take on the abilities of a lion or an insect or things like that. It's basically terraformas, man. It's I, was terraformas. Think, I was thinking
3: of the chimera ants from yeah. Hunter Hunter.
2: The chimera ants actually a good example as well.
3: Uh, Because I take on things from other species and become utterly badass in the process. Yeah.
2: Anyway, the closest comparison with the tardigrade is a microscopic form of plankton called a uh, rotifer, which has about 9% of its DNA from other organisms. And the tardigrades generally use this
3: to compensate and give them the ship and stuff like that. Can they rename it something though?
5: Uh,
3: Tardigrade sounds like something teachers give the kids who were never there. (laughs) I know. Or late. Or late. Yeah.
2: But the tardigrades, um, They generally, the water bears and stuff like that, they're generally a specific species of tardigrade. And it's not like they automatically gain abilities from having DNA from a different thing. If they got fungal DNA, it's not like they suddenly have fungal powers or something like that. But, yeah, if we synthesized something like that and we had, like, 20% lion DNA...
3: To be honest, Give oh, forty 40% eagle DNA. Given the fascination of people with beard these days, I'm, I don't know what's happening there. Maybe. Good. Yeah. God. It's God. It's definitely good.
5: <laughs>
3: I'm sure it's God. It's God. I'm going to say idiot. It. It's like 20% idiot DNA and <laughs> 80% human. Godiots. Godiots. There you go. No, because you see, if you call them goats, that, that, that pokes a hole in my theory. My theory of them being three types of people in the world. Uh, sheep, sheepdog, and goats, and goats just do whatever they want whenever they want. Uh, sheep follow and sheepdog lead. Yeah, but don't forget, you goats
2: can be idiots as well. Oh yeah, they just have you seen those mountain goats that end up on like a small pebble on like a sheer cliff face? It's like almost vertical, and they're 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 on they're on the smallest pebble. They've got all four hooves on this pebble, and they just look at you as if to say. Well, what are you standing there for? Get me down. Nope, it's your own fault. You've got up there somehow. It's your well, job to get down. Those
3: are mountain goats. Mountain goats are just a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you see them every often when you're
2: going through like hilly, uh, hilly, mountainous regions, and they're just there and they just stare at you with their eyes as you're going past, going, "Yeah, and I bet you can't do this."
3: <laughs> kind of true, the true daredevil. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, evil can spent his entire <laughs> life. Trying to be a mountain goat. I thought
3: you would fit as a goat there. <laughs> mountain goats just nut anything. They yes. nut anything. Ah, have you played goats? Uh, see
2: what I no. mean? It's <laughs> evil can evil. How many times did he fall off his bike and nut the floor?
3: I don't know. How many? Don't
2: know. It was a rhetorical I question. thought he
3: knew. It's a rhetorical question. I'm disappointed in you. I thought you knew everything about Eva evil Knievel. Anyway, this, this, this,
4: that was what our friendship was based all on. All I Damn heard you. was disappointed, and then I just <laughs> <laughs> looked, and Rob was looking at me. <laughs>
3: nah, sorry. <laughs> Here's one, yeah, my, Mike's in your direction, no, so sorry. sorry. Here's sorry. one of the interesting
2: things about the tardigrade before I move on. The tardigrade, it can become stressed just like people can, and it can actually become severely injured and die from stress just like people can. But every time a tardigrade survives a life-threatening thre- form of stress, it manages to pick up more genes that can help it recover from that stress. So the more you try to destroy
3: the Tardigrade, the stronger it gets. Isn't this... <laughs> is it, it's a Sane. It's it is. It's a Sane from Dragon Ball. You need to kill a, a from Dragon Ball, and then they come back twice as strong as they were before. This is a real life. <laughs> super I want to put really a picture. small.
2: I want to put a picture of it on Facebook now go, this is a real Sane. Oh that's like, this a, a red haircut on it. Yeah, this is what a real Super Saiyan looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway, yes. I think that's one of those things of evolution, isn't it? It's like a, a monster it, 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 its abilities, its its skills that it's evolved make it yeah. absolutely monstrously OP to use video game terminology. Yes. But God assuming that's a thing when, right, you're too strong, you're gonna be teeny tiny 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 tiny. tiny. It's it's like other things as uh I can't remember. I, well, I think it was a Russell Howard bit or some somebody bit, like how a butterfly or a hornet or something has like the most poisonous venom or bite, but it doesn't have the means to actually bite you. That might yeah, be Ricky think, Gervais
2: I think, actually. I think, uh, I think it was a butterfly or something like that. I think, a think hornet it was a Ricky definitely Gervais. has the hornets definitely have the ability
3: to live deliver that venom. It was a Ricky Gervais. I've seen bit, the think, stings yeah. on hornets. <sighs> It was from Ricky Gervais' science show. Yeah. Yeah. I remember now.
2: You know how wasps have that, have that really like kind of thing? Hmm. Well, it's like the difference in sound between an Apache helicopter, right? And that big ass thing that the Russians use, the Hind helicopter. Apache helicopter has that high pitched whirring noise. The Hind has that. It sounds like that, and that's what a drone sounds like. That's what a hornet sounds like. It's got like a bear
3: like. in the back just growling.
2: Yeah, it sounds like that. You can tell the difference between a wasp and a hornet straight away just from the sound it makes. Because a
3: hornet's got a bear in its engine
2: but growling. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they're bigger than wasps.
1: I, was I still don't like either.
2: Hey, eh? I still don't like either. I don't like either. I had to get rid of a wasp, a hive of wasps from in our shed. Yeah, I,
4: I, I remember one time when my dad, um, just went into the bathroom and he saw this massive hornet. Yeah. He was just so scared. He wouldn't even enter the bathroom again. Yeah.
5: I mean,
3: that. I thought I sat on a hornet and I thought it, it, um, it stung me in the butt, but it just patted the cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> so it was okay. Rob survived this encounter. Bye. <laughs> Other the placement. I always think where your butt cheeks are going before you put them there. That's your life lesson. <laughs> that's,
5: your, that's
3: your life lesson for today, kids.
2: Survival's number one.
3: Yeah, oh. you see, you see, Bear girls don't teach you this. Um, I, I do. We're
2: definitely not using that as the name of today's show. Sure.
3: Bad girls don't teach you stuff like this. Come on, Uncle Rob. He'll teach you stuff like this. <laughs> oh God! Please, just—I
2: I may have Stop. to cut Stop that bit. I, I may have to cut that bit. No. No. Anyhow, right. I think I've I'm killed not sure. that. Does that class solicitation? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think uh, Uncle Rob's going to suggest that we move to the next story now. Hang
1: on, we can cut that bit out and just make our own little audio file, remix, and just release it. Right, next news story. Uh, Right, okay, this is. I'm
2: not even sure how to describe this, because we know smoking is bad. Okay. So I'm not sure how this works, but there is a new web manga from Japan that anthropomorphizes girls out of cigarettes. Webcomic Xenon, which is a companion to monthly comics Xenon, it's begun serializing a new web series known as Cigaholic. The manga tells the strange tale of cigarettes in robotic human-female form who expel tobacco from their kisses, much like regular cigarettes would. The male main character, who has never kissed anyone before, slowly adjusts to his life around his new cigarette girl and newfound addiction.
3: I have nothing. I have nothing to add to
2: this. This is kind of weird, creepy, and disturbing at the same time. And also, seriously, W2F Japan. Seriously. Oh, Japan.
3: Oh, Japan.
2: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's Japan, though. They're allowed.
3: Yes, do you want to see the image they've put with this though? She's got her boobers out. Like a girl in a state of, of she's she's got some clothes on. But they're not very well she's she hasn't put them on very well. And she's fallen out of a cigarette packet. So is this... This is basically... I've got nothing for this. Only, this, this is taking the borrowers <laughs> in a completely different direction. <laughs> but the thing is... <laughs> just sticking the, it, Hang on. This is what it is. It's taking borrowers, sticking them in his mouth, and smoking them. He's smoking borrowers. I don't approve. It's bad. No, bad Japan. The thing is, their kisses are supposed to expel
2: tobacco. So hang on. So he's kissing something that tiny. Is he not afraid of biting the head off, or is this image out of proportion? Is this like a giant cigarette box... The size of this room and the girl is actually kind
3: of normal human sized. I don't understand He's doing the dirty with borrowers, I don't approve. <laughs> He's sucking on the heads of borrowers. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I like the way you, I like the way you just kind of turned away when you realised what you'd said. <laughs> self edit I'm self editing today. I'm self editing. <laughs> and he's totally sucking on the heads of borrowers. That's bad. Bad Japan. You oh, <laughs> can't blame in Japan for this. It's one author. Bad one author guy. I don't know who he is. What's his name? I don't care. This is a weird thing. I
2: weird honestly guy. don't care what his name is. That's just like... After the perfume... Uh, sorry, the room sense. With the you know bearded man serving pouring coffee in a Texan wild in 1872 and stuff like that. Ah. I didn't think it could get any weirder. And then we had the one that came after that, which I've forgotten. But it was it was on the level. of oh, The tea descans. bags. Oh yeah, the tea bags. We had the tea bags, the anime tea bags, and now we got this. So sweepstake time, guys.
1: This is disturbing. Take
2: That's a what? guess. See if you can take a guess at. What Japan is going to come up with in the next couple of
3: weeks. I don't know, something you stick in your mouth. That's what it seems to be recently.
2: Well, all of these have one theme running through them. Well, two themes running through them. Number one, they're all from Japan. And number two, they all have some kind of connection to anime or manga. So, what do you think Japan could do next that is even weirder than
3: <coughs> girls who dis- expel tobacco from their kisses? Girls who expel uh, gases from their paps. (laughs) Well, although although they don't like to
2: admit it, it's kind of a human function. Sorry, ladies, but it is.
3: I was just thinking there's another place which gases are expelled from. Oh, no, (laughs) we're
2: not not going there. We're not going there.
3: We're not going there. But, yeah, what else Uh, could Japan do? I mean, is it going to be
2: like, uh, are they going to do soft drinks next in the, they're going to uh, no, have no, no, stop they're going to have <laughs> underwear no, they which, already have that no,
3: no, 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 no you see, it's, I it's, would think of it's going to have anime underwear they already have that which as well. has like the appendages added on so if it's like a furry thing it'll have like a tail coming on the back of it they already have that do they really? yes I thought I was being creative there no, they already have that Oh, it's the, would...
1: the infant they don't have Hey. Eh? That might be a shorter list to tell us before we. Well, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It's Japan, and they've got so many weird and weird things. Normally, it's weird and wacky, but it's Japan, so it's kind of just weird and weird. Ah, oh, I'm
3: gonna uh, go wilder. They're gonna release a normal pack of cigarettes. You're going wilder and wilder and wilder. Somebody's gonna do something. it <laughs> will
2: eventually come full circle. <laughs> 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 Basically, they're heading towards they're heading towards average. But going the other way around the wheel, where we're all going this way, going, yes, we're plodding along. And we'll eventually reach this equilibrium point between average and completely completely insane. But Japan is going down the other route (laughs) and casually just sauntering along. Eventually, they'll reach the equilibrium point as
1: well. Then we'll go the way they came. (laughs) They'll
3: discover the cat videos and we'll discover it. Oh no, they have like the best cat videos. A Japanese lady has the best cat videos. It's cat ninja. Yeah. That's the Is best. that
2: the one that was uh the, that
3: was doing the uh, flying kick against the dog? No, no. It's the one where Oh god, I remember that picture. It was like <laughs> it's amazing picture. It's not a picture, it was the video. It was she took a shot of the wall and then yeah. she cut back and then the cat was at one point. She cut back to the wall and cut back to the cat and then it had come forward <laughs> and it just stood there and kept on cutting <laughs> back and forth like that. Until it was basically stood next to the woman's face. It was taken the video. <laughs> <laughs> cat Ninja. Cat Ninja's amazing. Yeah. Is that all for the news? That's pretty much it for the news.
2: I'm not sure where the cigarette thing's gonna take us, but. Smoking cats? That's probably exists. No, 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 cause that would go against the whole cat cafe principle. Cause Japan's where the cat cafes came out with. Okay. Let me rephrase that. Japan is where the cat cafes originated. Probably Egypt, actually. Given how much there.
3: <laughs> Modern cat cafes, then. All right, then. Don't not picking faults with my arguments. I'm doing the QI idea. Everything originated in either Egypt or China, so you're wrong. So India originated in Egypt or China? Yeah.
1: Really? According to QI logic. I think the Indians would have something to say about that. So yeah, why are can... some things made in Thailand, then? <laughs> no. No. he's got you there it's
3: not me it's not my rules that I'm saying yeah, This is the no it actually rule.
1: says on the label made in
3: Thailand
4: <laughs> Thailand was made in
3: China
2: yeah but it's made in
3: Thailand and China was made in India
4: it's quite logic I, can't, I don't make this up hang on China was made in India yeah
2: so how can India then be made in China it's a self-fulfilling
4: well, prophecy India was
1: made eventually hey India
2: was made eventually yes it was made eventually it took a long time, in about fifty million years, for the Indian subcontinental plate to hit the hit the, the Asian plate. Okay, um, bombing the Himalayas. Anyway,
3: I think we've taken this as far as it can go. I, I, I regret nothing, and uh, <laughs> we will be back with reviews. So we'll see you in a minute.
0: This is Sunny Strait, the voice of many of the voices that you grew up on. Yes, I raised all of you ungrateful b- bastards. And you're listening to The Geek Show. Kamehameha, Cheers! Hi
3: everyone, this is Andrew from The Geek Show Podcast Network, here to tell you to go listen to 4Panel.
4: We've got all the latest news and reviews on all things comic and manga, and of course, lots of jokes about the ten-eyed man. Go listen to it. Hello and welcome back to The Geek Show. We are now on our review section, and to Ivor Rob, who have got... Rips. I have been reviewing
2: Oblivion.
5: <laughs> what? <laughs> Oblivion.
2: Oblivion.
3: No, no. Uh, it's got, I've got. Uh, it's a gag there. I've been getting the name of this game wrong. Got some an idiot, clearly. But uh, it's Divinity: Original Sin. It's a PS4 HD sort of um, director's cut Masters edition, isn't it? If I remember correctly. Cause it yes, has been something out like before. that. It's Sorry.
2: been. It, it's been out before. This is like the
3: complete. It, edition. Is that like 2014? Uh, so I'm not going to go through the story of this because this is a very classic mold RPG in the sense that it's ridiculously long and it's got a story with like new missions opening up and expanding and changing constantly. So basic story is you start the game off as a creator character. I mean, two creator characters, actually, because the game's designed as a cooperative thing, uh, pr- uh, fundamentally. But I uh, used to offers two creator characters. It can be man, it can be woman. It can be black, like, literally black. It can be, like, literally red. It's, like, it, it's a fantasy-set RPG, so it, it plays fast and loose with its rules of, you know, characters and monsters and designs and, and whatnot. Uh, but with one of your two characters, you are a, a source hunter. I don't know if the word was hunter, but you know people like were looking for this magical source of all, like the source of all evil, and you are a hunter who is searching for that source. Is it HP, no, it's not, because <laughs> <laughs> that is evil source. That is, but <laughs> that's the fundamental conceit, so The world uh, expands and it grows. It's much like Oblivion, I think, in that respect. The uh, the actual game of Oblivion, because you were looking for Oblivion gates, weren't you? So it has the same sort of idea, but there's less of it. Okay. That's the only sort of different... Oh, oh, Borderlands, where you're looking for the vault. Yeah. It has that sort of mythical sort of search for something all powerful that could affect all mankind, or whatever mankind is on that planet or place or whatever. But um the idea behind it, it's probably the closest you're ever going to get to a pen and paper um RPG without playing a pen and paper RPG. Because of its incredible amount of detail in the systems, the, the the magic systems, the leveling systems, the the battle systems, the use of uh, APR attack points, it's all it's very fundamentally based in the principles of pen and paper. You know, it's all very studious um, approach to RPGing. And for example, you will, it, 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 style-wise, it's very much like Oblivion, not, not Oblivion, a Diablo. Let's just say but uh, the way the battles or fights work is you'll have your two characters and you'll have your your, the enemy you're facing off either just in front of you or hidden somewhere in this little um, room of level design. And you've got, like say, a certain number of attack points and you've got to use those attack points to move to a position which is optimal and attack your enemy or move to a position where the enemy can't get you. It's all very... I suppose it's video game fantasy RPG chess. In that respect, you got I think moves ahead. It's not like yeah. other strategy RPGs. I know this is a classic example, but this guy, where this guy uses like the the cube system and the the panel system. This is a much more open plan, open sort of philosophy of the battle system. And thing is, this
2: guy is a lot more reactionary when it comes to the it, battle system. It, it is, yeah. Whereas this sounds it more is like very, very, very engaged. Yeah. And it sounds like you have to be proactive
3: and you have to predict. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, you do totally. And it has little things which are quite nice. Like, um, I played it single player, didn't play it co-op, but the little, the banter between the two characters, it'll give you clues sometimes where we don't want to get caught by blah, blah, sort of thing. So maybe shoot that oil patch. And it won't give us away to the the hunters or or whatever stuff like that. It has little environmental clues and storytelling like that. But um, I think for me, it it just uh, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's a great game. It's a great game, but it's a good game for a certain person. If you like your RPGs, but you like them to sort of be palatable, uh, accessible, open, sort of light on the feet, but you know enjoyable. This isn't for you. I mean, I use the uh, analogy of the pen and paper RPG very deliberately because if that's the sort of style of RPG that you like, the sort of RPG where you could be playing it for feasibly for years and the amount of consideration I'd go into playing a game for that long, Mm -hmm. then um, this is the game for you, really. Divinity Original Sin is, is the game for you. But not being that person, I... Didn't have an awful lot to get out of it, because it's, it's a very obtuse, it's a very difficult game to get used to, because use I'll be honest, it's basically nothing else like it, especially in the PS4 market. In the PC market, there's more competitors, and more outright competitors, but the PS4 part, which I played, there's literally nothing else out there at all, even remotely like it. Yeah. And there's a charm too with that, but it's a charm that's, I wouldn't say lost on me, but it kind of goes over my head a little bit, given how engaging, not how engaging I am, um, how engaged and how um, detailed and thick and dense it is. Is
2: this more my kind of game?
3: Yeah, it's more my kind of game. Right. Kind of game where it's just
2: menus of doing stuff and I'm happy when I'm sorting information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that.
3: Okay. Like I said, it's a great game. It's just a great game. It looks good, in, in, yeah. Yeah, it looks okay. It's, it's very cartoonized, very stylized and very exaggerated. Doesn't it look a bit like kind of, uh, sacred and Diablo and kind of uh, top down, I'd say sacred, sacred, like, yeah. The art uh, style, yeah. The uh, gameplay, what it looks like is like Diablo, to use a more common example. But what it looks like is probably more like sacred. I reckon. Okay. But yeah, it's a great game in search for the right person. And if you're not the right person, it's like it, it's pointless even bothering her. But at the same time, you got to find out whether you're the right person. So you know what I mean. Of this types of game, it's the first one on PS4, so maybe it's worth a risk. I'll, I'll say that much. But I'm babbling anyway. So uh, yeah, that is um, Divinity: Original Sin. It's been out on PC since 2014, I think, and this is a master's cut, a director's cut, a game of the year cut, whatever you call it. It's available on PS4 as well. Cool. My turn. Your turn. Great. Right. I have uh, Rodea
2: the Sky Soldier. Now, this is kind of an offshoot, uh, kind of a rebirth, sort of a continuation type thing. Of? Do you remember Nights and Nights into Dreams?
3: Oh, yeah. And the, I remember uh, the Saturn. On oh,
2: the Saturn and the Dreamcast. Yeah. Now, the guy who made those games, Yuji Naka, he's kind of a genius when it comes to games, but he kind—he's of, kind of lost his way a little bit. And I think *Rodeo*, the Sky Soldier, was him trying to find his way again. The concept is similar to *Nights in the Dreams* in that it's an action kind of platform game that involves flying. Yeah. Mm. And I think Eurogamer said this best, and I honestly cannot think of a better way of putting this Go on. because it does describe this game to a T. Remember when you're a kid. Right, and you're in a room. Can't go out to play because it might be chugging it down. And maybe you've got a friend around, or maybe you just make him believe yourself. And you have to try and get across the room without touching the floor.
3: What lava, lava floor, lava floor, floor, it's lava. Yeah,
2: basically stuff like that. Right, Mm -hmm. Rodeo the Sky Soldier is essentially that game as a video game. You have to fly through the air and you have to hit coins and destroy battleships and bounce off, bounce off. (laughs) walls and stuff like that in order to get from one side of the map to the other. And the maps are pretty barren. There might be a couple of enemies here and there. And you have an energy gauge, an energy bar. When the energy bar runs out, you fall to the ground, right? What's this on, by the way? It's on 3DS, but it's also on Wii U as well. Okay. Right. Now, Rodea is the name of the robot boy who can fly. And he has... The very first mission is a training mission where you have to fly across and save the princess and it teaches you how to fly it teaches you what you need to do you press a to jump and then you press a again to fly but the problem is that the flying isn't intuitive it's not like pilot wings or anything like that it's not even like nights and nights and nights in the dreams it has a distinct lack you have to use a targeting reticule to tell you where you want to fly yeah, instead want, of hmm. just using it makes sense sick it to makes, make you fly it makes some sense though the targeting reticule, but the thing is you could put the targeting reticule at the front and f- use Rodea to fly. you don't need the targeting reticule on there to make him fly. you just mm. basically make the make the mouse button able to control Rodea because Rodea is a robot, but he still has human joints and human-like muscles stuff like that, so the flexibility of a human is still there now here's the thing. If you're a human and you can fly, you should be at a turn on a sixpence, right? Because you can fold your body in a way that a plane can't. A plane has to do a massive turning circle to turn around. Whereas you can basically stop and just basically do a quick mid-air somersault and fly back the way you came. Assuming humans could fly, yeah. Assuming humans could fly. You understand what I mean? You know when they do the kick turn in swimming when they reach the end and they have to turn and go back the way they came? Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing that humans are capable of. But you put Submarine in that situation, Submarine's got to turn in a circle to go back the way it came.
3: This is a weird criticism.
2: It is a weird criticism, but when you get right down to it, I like games where I fly. Yeah. And this game doesn't allow me to fly the way I want to fly. It's a very specific criticism. (laughs) Well, it's a handheld game, it's a Wii U game, it looks nice enough, although the graphics possibly could have been... Done a little better. Apparently, this was originally supposed to be a Wii game, but the developers waited a couple of years so it could be knocked out on the Wii U instead of the Wii. To good and reason. I, I think that this would have been better as a Wii game. Yeah, because mm. like the it Wii could... mote is it sound, mm. The Wii Wii is pretty much ideal for this type of game. That's one of the reasons why you have this targeting reticule mm. still. Instead of you being able to control your flight and the reticule just basically follow it showing what is directly in your flight path, which would hmm. be the easy, easiest way to go about it, right? Because that's how most flight sims work, especially the combat flight sims. Hmm. Anyway, the whole thing with Rodea, is a robot boy who can fly, there's a war going on, obviously, the princess is trying to stop the war, and Rodea has to protect her and what's known as the key of time. The story is basically stuff and nonsense. It's there as a placeholder for this wonderful game about you jumping on furniture to try and cross the room without touching the floor.
3: Lava floor.
1: Yes. It's Nintendo.
2: That's the sad part, right? That's the sad part. This was developed by Kadokawa Games and they've done some really good games in the past. It's published by NAS America in North, in North America and by Kadokawa Shorten in Japan. I kind of understand exactly what you're going for. and Yuji Naka obviously has a major hand in this because the remnants of Nights into Dreams and Nights is definitely there for everybody to see. You play this game and the first thing you think of is Nights. That is the very first thing you think of. You don't think of any other game, just Nights. Okay. Right? What I will say is that The Flying is still so much better than that Superman game. (laughs)
5: <laughs> it's, <not laughs> it? be fair.
2: it's still so much better than that and if you're a fan of Nights and Nights into the Dreams then this is something that is definitely worth checking out I wouldn't say to Return to Farm for Eugene Acker because I think that even though he was only a producer on this he was one of the main voices on it and I think that he needs to familiarise himself more with what he wants to achieve in the
3: industry these days no, it's changed since his head. It's yep. changed exponentially the the industry. Yes, it has.
2: But, yeah, anyway, Rodeo the Sky Soldier is interesting. A couple of interesting characters. The flight mechanic is not that good. And it's got some interesting aspects to it. But overall, it's not that good.
3: And that's reviews then, yeah. Just the two. <coughs> just the two? Hmm. Just the two
2: for this week?
4: Yes, just, we just, just reviewed Bolivia
3: and... Rodent Dan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, names wrong. But yeah, anyway. Um, Rodea, the Sky Barista. <laughs> and we we'll be back in a minute or two with our major theme, our talking point of this week. London! Well, it, it's stuff which, Plers- stuff which happened in places. Stuff which happened in places series. Jelly deals. So we got like London and other ones we got like planned. Pine like- Mash. Los Angeles, they're going to just say stuff until last. Danny (laughs) Dyer. But London, Los Angeles, Tokyo, New York, and I think it was South America, the other one, sort of a big open, big one. But yeah, (laughs) just just London this week. We'll be back in a minute.
1: Hello, this is Brina Palencia, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Welcome back to The Geek Show, where our topic is London. London, London. London.
3: Yeah, obviously, because because we're doing London, that means there's... Everybody is an idiot, and they either do a London accent or do things which have do, London do, in it. Do, 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 do. So if, if I just sit here, right, dun, dun, and say, dun, dun, you've dun, got dun, one minute, dun, 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 oh, no. and get it all dun, out of your system, because I don't want to hear dun, any of it, dun, dun, okay? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> EastEnders theme tune. <laughs> EastEnders as performed by an idiot. Do you know, when
2: I did music in school, right, we were forced to learn that as... One of the things we had to learn on the keyboard, and i rem I remember the notes c d e f g mm. a f were the notes, <laughs> and I hate the fact that I know that I hate the fact that I, I know couldn't... that I want to find a laser and excise that part of you know
1: that part of my brain that memory. I know, I know a slightly bit of your pain because I can't memorise the notes, but when I see a keyboard, I know which ones to press. See, I don't know which <laughs> ones to press. Thankfully, <laughs> also, if we were if we were both on the keyboard, we could do it quite
3: well. I did ABBA songs. ABBA, ABBA. See, he got lucky. I'm yeah. quite lucky. He's I got a uh, little star. Uh, no, but I I didn't, see, money, see, money, I didn't money. do anything. Well,
2: that. I, I was in That's the. I, the I, I I was kind of in the generation where when they did religious education at school. They basically went, yes, um, Christianity is a religion. Everything else is kind of uh, you know, a cult.
0: <laughs> how old are you? <laughs>
2: wow! Were you, were you born in like the 19 or 1800s or something? <laughs> no, no, no. You'd be amazed at what the 19, growing up in the 1980s was like. Okay. This is how you know that people. Who, it's like this whole retro thing. People who like 80s music and oh, oh, I wish I was alive during the 80s. Yeah, no, you don't.
3: <laughs> Same in the 90s. Eight, you 90s don't know what it was like during
2: now. the 80s. It's You remember that show, Meet the Goldbergs? We were talking mm, about it on, on so, the box yeah. before. And my main issue with Meet the Goldbergs was it was a very idealised vision of what the 1980s were because we had none of that in the UK. I thought we though, had none of that I in the 80s. I always thought
1: the 80s was the 90s, but the 90s had quite a more
2: bright. let's like, put it this way weird music let's put it this way microwaves for example we didn't have that in the north of England in the 80s <laughs> we had did you have it in London
1: it well. Hey, you had it in London yeah. they had uh, them in London
3: yeah. not in the north of England in classy, the 80s classy call back Andy classy but yeah we're talking about London he's had that He's London. got he's had his opportunity he's <laughs> got it out of his system Now, granddad corner story corner corner when thing. I'm cleaning windows <laughs> old Krakenari <crack-a-nory. laughs> is finished now and yeah we're on to London bring on the Hornets. we're on to London <laughs> I think the the, the the one we have to talk about first just because of the amount of ma- massive stuff there is is probably uh, more so than anything else is movies and TV well yeah more TV than movies because you just about every single
2: British show about doctors on BBC is set in London. In fact, I think Holby City and Doctors and Casualty, Casualty well, are actually yeah. all the same place, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. But the thing.
4: Because um, isn't Holby City like it's been off from
3: Casualty or something like that? Yeah, it's so, yeah, oh, like one or the Casualty's in yeah, a department, Holby City's another department, and whatever one is another
2: department. I did say all hospital departments are getting a TV series, so administration <laughs> is going to get its own TV series, and <laughs> oh, the, the janitors are going to have their own TV series. God,
4: now yeah. Reception's going to get its own TV series as well.
2: Yeah, Hospital Reception, Hospital Radio, <laughs> <laughs> the TV series.
1: That'll um, be Alan Partridge's next uh, Yes, next oh, don't Alan say Partridge it. on He's Hospital old, Radio, that would be amazing.
3: London, He's Norwich. Oh, is it? It's Norwich. Yeah, but it's can Norwich. you
2: imagine if he'd moved to Hospital Radio,
3: Norwich Hospital Radio? <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, after events of the movie, that wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, London. I mean, London, London, yeah, London. Yeah. London. I know, we London. visited Norwich, London, London. I'm saying it a lot so it sticks in his head and he goes, keep on topic. London. London. Red car. I'm afraid you've broken Rob,
1: so... <laughs> <laughs> not,
3: no. Right, so London. TV, I'm not so off-fair with, like using a lot of it. I mean, a lot of the old sort of cop dramas, British cop dramas... Get, well, not even them. Are in London a lot because, like, the classic examples say, are in very stylized places. Like Marx is in, like, um, is in Oxford, isn't it? Marx, is Oxford, yeah. Cause... But other than that, like the ones that are set in London, they're all kind of uniform, and they can't actually remember well, any title to pop out me. Are head we and...
1: keeping a uh, uh, in f- recent London or no, no, just just London in general? Sherlock Holmes is a
2: yeah. Quite Sherlock, big one. Well, Sherlock Holmes
3: That's is quite a big one. Is that isn't? like yeah, yeah. the modern one? Where's that set? London. London. <laughs> is it? And the it's guy 221B Baker Street. I don't know. Well, Doctor Who is in Cardiff now, isn't he? So, I don't know. Doctor Who's in Cardiff? Yeah, that's right. It's all show. Some of the episodes are done in London. There's loads of episodes done in London. Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch this geek stuff.
4: <laughs> you can, you, you can <laughs> you're on a show
2: entitled The Geek Show. Yes. You, you can kind of tell the difference between London and Cardiff because they, uh, number one, it's kind of obvious when you walk past the street sign and it's got the postcode on it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Are you looking at postcards when you watch TV? No, the camera focuses on the street sign to tell you that it's actually in that place. And then what they do is they basically go back to the warehouse in Cardiff and finish the shooting there. All you've got is some guy walking around like North London with a camera going, oh, that's a good street sign, take a shot of
3: that. You don't know how much truth there is in that. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. London, TV, not so much, I don't think.
2: Basically, you remember that uh, film, The Tournament, where everyone was saying, oh, it's set in Middlesbrough, Mm. but it wasn't set in Middlesbrough. It was filmed in Czech Republic. It was filmed in Czech Republic, but somebody just went round with the camera round Newcastle and they even had a shot from South
1: Bank. (laughs) I can tell you, because my ex film tutor from college was was the producer for the tournament. Yes. So I can tell you that. The, you did use the motorway that goes between. <laughs> they had a shot from the South bus. Bank. That
2: was, <sighs> right, and London? I, London? Just, no, no, just let London. me, clarify, <laughs> let me just clarify this. In the film, the tournament, they had a shot of South Bank. From, right, the, there used to be an old police station in South Bank, and that was demolished several years ago, quite a while ago, in fact. Right, And they had a shot of it, a South Bank, with the police station still standing in that shot. When it wasn't actually there when the film was made. It had been demolished long before that.
1: London. London. (laughs) Uh, If it helps no doubt (laughs) the actors in that film are not were from London. (laughs) London. (laughs) London. Right. (laughs) I've become that
3: Pokemon again.
2: (laughs) Just going back to T V shows, there are there's a new TV show starting on BBC called Capital, which I'm actually quite interested in watching because um it's it looks quite interesting. It doesn't look like they're trying to do the typical kind of EastEnders type thing. And EastEnders, obviously, is set in London. Yeah, it's the East End. all London. Yeah. But, I mean, it's set in London. And the thing is, London is such a big place. There's so many different things that you can do with it. There's loads of documentaries. There's loads of fictional TV shows. There's loads of dramas and loads of... Crime fiction and all sorts. Luther was set in London. Every comedy. um basically. You know, the Sweeney is obviously, it's the yeah. Flying Squad. That's set at Scotland Yard in London.
1: Yeah. Police stuff,
2: basically. Is it, yeah, yeah, there's lots of police stuff set in London. White is Peaky Chapel. Blinders set in London? Peaky Blinders, I think, <laughs> is that, I can't remember.
1: I Peaky can't Blinders remember. Is, is set in Awesome
3: Pe- because it's got Awesome Actors in it. I think it Peaky has.
2: Blinders <laughs> might have been Birmingham.
3: I'm not it, it, was, it was Birmingham, yeah. Whitechapel uh, yeah. was set in London. I I was a, it's a district it. of London. Yeah,
5: Whitechapel <laughs> is a district <laughs> of London.
2: closing uh, the name, really. I know. I
5: would be
3: sarcastic. Oh, well, excellent.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> oh, damn it. I've forgotten what the name was. It wasn't Piggy Blinders. It? it was another one like that. Um But yeah, there's loads of them set in London. Actually, do you remember, uh what's his face? Bald Head goes around talking to gangs now. Uh Ross oh, Russ, Russ Kemp, Kemp. Patrick Stewart. No, Ross Kemp did that uh <laughs> did that military show. He did that military fictional show, um Ultimate Force or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A lot of that was set in London. A lot of that was set in and around London.
3: I so it wasn't just
2: police procedurals, it had actually had mm-hmm. some military stuff. Spooks obviously was London based.
3: Mm-hmm. I was disappointed with a lack of ghosts.
2: Yeah. And that kind of leads us on to just about anything James Bond. Starts in London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know the weird thing though? Have you, have you seen this? Right. Um, in, uh, uh there was a, an article about GCHQ trying to hire people and they were putting, they were basically tagging pavements with, uh, with signs on that said, do you want to work for GCHQ? With basically <laughs> just random pavements <laughs> and Shoreditch. Shoreditch of all the places.
3: <laughs> exactly. That's like yeah. the birthplace of the hipster. <laughs> I know. Latin San yeah. Francisco <laughs> is where just, all hipsters originated. They've
2: they got like, a, you know, like uh, Banksy has a template that he cuts out and then sp- uh, just spray paints and then disappears in the middle of the night. Just template saying, do you want to work for GCHQ? You too could be a spy or words to that effect. And just spray painting them onto papers. <clears throat> I think bit,
1: any, bi- any f- amount of fiction, whether it's edgy format, spy. with a spy in it, is always set in London. Because it's usually one of those, London, do you know what it is? It's because, it's because
2: London is halfway between Moscow and New York or Moscow and Washington. And so it's the obvious kind of halfway point. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the reasons why, um, what was it? St. James's Park. There's a story about St. James's Park in London. Not Peterborough. No, not Peterborough. St. James's Park in London. St. James's Park in London. Not the football stadium, the actual park. <laughs> okay. Where the Ooh. ducks are. <laughs> I had a pretend handbag there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he was saying. Anyway, so James's Park in London, there was a story that the ducks had actually got so used to, and Pratchett actually picked up on this in Good Ormonds as well. There was a story about how the ducks had actually, got, had actually become used to being fed and would automatically gravitate towards people wearing certain types of clothing, you know, the overcoats and the hats and stuff like that that you see in spy movies and stuff like that. There wasn't any real truth about it, is, but there was oh a Oh, my route. God,
3: look, he's being followed by ducks. He
2: must be a spy. Basically, yeah.
3: Lovely to be followed by ducks. Ducks are adorable. But we are movies? Yeah. Well, we're yeah. kind of gravitated into movies now. Movies are, I think movies have a more, uh, well, when you think, when you talk about London in sort of television or movies, it's, it's kind of a lot of crossover and the same thing. It's used to suggest sort of gang stuff. Yeah. Gang stuff, whether that's like, I don't know, the modern interpretation of what a gang is or whether it's like the East End, you know, the East End sort of cray style gangs yeah. from the 60s or a class thing. Like you get Kiddlehood. And that sort of horrible rubbish. Remember yeah, Hood? I remember it. Mm. There, there
4: was also um, Attack the Block, wasn't that set in London? See, Attack the Block was good. Yeah, Attack the Block was actually really good. I,
2: I liked Attack the Block. I thought Attack the Block really worked. I mean, when it comes to the whole social commentary thing, I don't think London is as extreme in terms of the <laughs> difference between the two sides, between rich and poor don't think it's as extreme as certain other places in the world. India, for example, the difference between rich and poor in India is, yeah, you could have, like, a a five-star hotel right next to a shanty town. Literally, you cross the street, you're in the shanty town. Okay. So I think that one of the problems with when it comes to the whole social commentary thing with London, which is one of the reasons why they have to try and focus on smaller stories, it's not like, hmm. it's not like kind of 1970s, 80s Harlem and, you know, places like that. Well, they it, have to it, focus on smaller stories. Uh, one mm. of the greats, one of the good, best stories I've seen come, uh, involved that set in London was, uh, murdered by my boyfriend, which, um, I've gotten the name. She, the actress who was in that, who played the lead role in that
3: won a BAFTA for it. Um, mm. okay. I will say one thing though. There's a problem with the London stuff though. Uh, when you're talk- too much of it. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean, yeah, obviously there's too much of it. I mean, uh, I think there's a bit of a repercussion to all that in uh, recent years, how all of the British stuff doesn't take place in London anymore. Yeah. And once yeah. upon a time, if it wasn't shot in London, it wasn't. It just wasn't. There was nothing there to exist. Well, part, exist. Of, the- well, well, part
4: well, of that was... Sorry, sorry. Going to say- well, even then, you've also got Shane Meadows' work, who usually... Yeah. Yeah. Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. Normally Midlands, isn't it? Not yeah. in, not naming yeah. basically. Oh, basically
2: yeah see part of that was because um uh, correct me if i'm wrong in remembering this but for a while especially i think it was during the uh, late 80s and early 90s a lot of if you wanted to film tv move tv movies that sort of thing if it wasn't being filmed in london then you wouldn't be able to like, get like subsidies Mm. For that, that doesn't
3: make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, because, yeah. It, because it was all about promoting the capital, promoting the capital. It wasn't until kind of the fall of the Berlin Wall when the, it seems like
3: the government realized. Oh, yeah, there's a country as well, isn't there? Yeah, there's a, there's <laughs> the rest of the country. You know. Oh, 80% of the money going to London. Oh, politics? What it's what
5: weird it's
2: <laughs> how it took a wall falling over in a different country.
5: <laughs>
3: uh, but my point is someone just twirls their moustache <laughs> but when you talk about um New York yeah. there's different parts of New York which are synonymous with certain things like Brooklyn is synonymous or something Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Manhattan all these places have like an image attached to them I don't think they have that sort of thing in London it's just London is London there is mm-hmm. no sort of differentiating between like different parts it's all just kind of London is London oh, yeah. it's either Cockney or it's not Cockney can I just say Having lived in London, uh, have any of you guys
2: lived uh, lived in no, London? No, no I've, I've actually never been to London. You've never I been to London, be, no. right? Okay, so trust me, as the voice of experience, London is just as diverse and has I'm loads of different identities. The problem is when it comes to people who want to make a make a series or a movie in London,
3: half the time they probably haven't been there first. That's what I'm saying. Now I'm not talking about right. the actual city. I'm talking about the stuff which represents. Yeah, the city. stuff that
2: represents the city. The problem. Uh, this is the this is the big problem I have with loads of films and loads of TV series that are shot in London because, right? I'll tell you this. This is just in walking distance, right? Oxford Street. You have all of the shops. You have so it's much. It's a mile going and a half
3: long, isn't it? That? Yeah,
2: it's a mile and a half long, and they have they actually have a TV series, a reality TV series had a reality TV series all about Oxford Street and the trials and tribulations of the shops on Oxford and the Street.
3: the pesky rickshaw drivers as well.
2: Yeah. Um, so Oxford Street. But if you follow Oxford Street all the way down from Marble Arch, go all the way down towards the corner of Charing Cross Road, you come to a crossroads, and you have Tottenham Court Road, Charing Cross Road, and over the road is New Oxford Street, where the big Forbidden Planet store is. Tottenham Court Road will take you up towards University College London. Charing Cross Road will take you down towards um Piccadilly Circus, right? It's mm. not a straight thing. You'll have to basically double back on yourself and walk back the way you came to get this. Leicester Square, Piccadilly Circus, that sort of area, is further down Charing Cross Roadway, and then straight down towards Trafalgar Square. I memorize this. I know this map, like the city, like the back of my hand, especially the central part of it. But in that area are all sorts of adventures waiting to happen because that area where... Oxford Street, Charing Cross Road corner. Behind there is Soho, (laughs) (laughs) which then goes on to Chinatown, which then goes on
3: to Leicester Square. Well, Soho is not quite as dangerous as it used to be. It used to have a a reputation for being, like, basically London's red light district. Uh, That's not as prominent anymore. It's
2: still prominent. Not not as. as. Not as. But there are... um, Imagine you're in London during the 90s and you're a young, impressionable student and you've never been to a gay bar before. You don't even know what a gay bar is, right? And, and you, you walk you're in like
3: someone from Manchester. What's the gay bar?
2: No. <laughs> and you walk in, and you see lots of people. You know, handsome men. You know, and some reasonably attractive men. And they're all standing there, and everybody's smiling, and everybody's drinking, and they're all having a laugh. And you think. Oh, this is a good place to stop and have a drink. <laughs> Nobody came onto
3: him. That's why he was disappointed.
2: And you just get it. You're standing there, and your mates are outside going, Why the hell have you got in there? <laughs> you sound mentally scarred, Rob. I wasn't actually. This happened to one of my, <laughs> my other mates. <laughs> but, uh, I was one of the people standing outside laughing at him.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's, that, basically, that's what I'm getting at. Though. The movies, there's no identity to these things. It's just basically. Movies lumped, don't
1: seem. It's just mm. London. It, it's it, usually your comedies, it's... your British comedies. Not Seriously, though. Um,
3: but
2: thing is, th- yeah. I, that's what I don't understand. But, this. Well, I
3: think now the, the sort of vibe that you get from movies that are shot in London is just, oh, oh it's insufferable middle classism. Yeah, but there's yeah. so yeah. many. That's, that's all there is to just it. Just
2: in that area though, just in that Soho, Chinatown, Leicester Square area, right? Just in that little section of London, you could probably do
3: 150 different types of movie. Mm. Yeah. Right? I, I, think, ranging, I think I think that is actually fun. the statistic for New York. Is 150 yeah. films made in New York every year. Yeah, and you could do all of those just in that section of London.
5: Yeah,
2: and that's just a tiny section. I haven't even, even included Knightsbridge or Chelsea or I'll anywhere say one like thing. that.
3: Soho is basically shorthand for gangster movies, gangster yeah. movies and crime.
2: Yeah, nowadays. Soho actually.
3: and Soho and the East End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: But here's the thing: Soho borders on Chinatown. So why the hell aren't you including like triads?
3: Oh, yeah. Well, is the triads in London? In Chinatown. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Newcastle has a Chinatown. Are you saying there's, there's a triads <laughs> in Newcastle? Probably. Oh, Geordie Triad. Geordie Triad.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you saying there's a Geordie Triad?
4: <laughs> oh, I want to hear those accents. I honestly so want to hear that badly.
3: I'm not sadistic enough (laughs) to try that. Right. I think on that. That would be amazing. (laughs) I think we'll continue that, uh, continue this after a a quick break. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. I'm
4: Dylan Horrocks, a cartoonist from New Zealand, and you're listening to The Geek Show.
3: Hello. Do you like
1: films? Well, wow, that that's good. We're over the first hurdle. If you like films,
3: and you also like podcasts, you should probably check out The Geek Show's only dedicated movie podcast, Cinema Eclectica. Well-staffed with a trained array of helper monkeys, we review all of the latest films every week, and do it reasonably well. Welcome, in, Bonvenue. Bienvenue. I don't know. Words. Other languages. Bonvenue. Bonvenu? I don't know. Is that Simon the Bond's brother? Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, we're talking about London uh, this week.
2: Yeah, we kind of left off cartoons and stuff like that, when we were thinking about it. Basil the Great Mouse Detective, We've got to start off with
3: that. Well, Basil the Great Mouse Detective and Danger Mouse.
2: Yes. Mm, Danger yeah. Mouse I was going
3: to say it, Danger Mouse. He lives in a well. post box in London and solves... Cr- I can't remember. I just remember I loved it, he, but I can't he, actually remember he, the he, mechanics he, of it. He foils the
2: plots of the maniacal Baron Greenback. Sounds like you... Watch... Yeah. Have you
3: been watching this recently? Eh? Hey? <laughs> that's very good memory. Hasn't go it? Display, isn't isn't it? Danger re... Mouse has been rebooted. Yeah, that's
4: what I was about to say.
3: No, it hasn't. It, it has. Is. It's yeah. been rebooted. No, no, you see what I'm saying here? It has Yeah, hasn't. you deny the existence of the reboot of Danger Mouse, I understand. It's the same with Thunderbirds. Yes. Thunderbirds are bre- rebooted in Abomination. Anyway. I'm going tell you, I know. What? <laughs> Why does that need rebooting? <laughs> it's giant, colourful bears talking like child with we televisions before, in their chests. The, uh,
1: screens are left of a touchscreen. But then again, oh, yeah. that's getting a bit uh, sinister. Then,
3: but anyway, also Hundred and One Dalmatians. I think before even that, I want to talk about the greatest mouse detective because it is one of the most underappreciated Disney movies. It's my favourite Disney movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, right. It's, got, uh, it, it, it's Sherlock Holmes. Basil Even the Great Mouse more Detectives. than Mary Poppins? Even more than Mary Poppins. But Even more than bedrobs or Broomsticks? Just let me get on with it. <laughs> <'Cause> that? Bedrobs? <laughs> Bednobs. <laughs> Even more than Peter Pan? Yeah, Great Mouse Detective doesn't get enough appreciation or acknowledgement. I People know. talk about those things all the time, but Basil the Great Mouse Detective is the greatest Sherlock Holmes franchise. It never was, I think. Yes. Because it I has it, that it would has admit- Vincent Price's Moriarty. Oh, I yes. think it was Moriarty because it was Rattigan. It was Rattigan. Rattigan. Yeah, Ratigan. Yeah. And yeah, but it's just wonderful. It has just such a, I love that sort of aesthetic of London, sort of the Victoriana. i to um, tell you this. London. When Basil the Great Mouse Detective came out, uh, was
2: kind of the, uh, was it the early 80s? Yeah, early to mid 80s. And I was in primary school when it came out. Perfect age. And my, RE teacher, my religious education teacher, yeah. was Mr. Rattigan. Oh,
3: was it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I bet you he heard about that. Oh, God. <laughs> I could
4: just imagine the names that was we're he. Was, was he
3: played by Vincent Price as well?
4: He might as well have been. <laughs> I can imagine the torment on that teacher's face.
2: <laughs> oh, well, we were primary school kids, and you know, when you're primary in primary school and there's an old guy who's kind of preachy, and his name is Rattigan, and you've seen Basil, the great mouse detective, you know to shut the hell up.
3: <laughs> One thing I will say, I had a, a technology teacher called Mr. Willy. so in the grand scheme of teachers with names, I think mine wins.
4: <laughs> I had a teacher who was called Mr. Wood, and he taught, taught wood tech.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he knew exactly what his role was in life. When he stuck
3: to it.
2: <laughs> Sorry, does anyone remember that TV show called I've Got Wood? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, no, funny enough. But yeah, Basil, <laughs> it, it's. I think that's the best sort of use of London. I'll be honest, the modern stuff in London, I don't like so much, but the Victorian stuff. Because then the, you get Black, to... you get the Blackadder stuff in there. Blackadder the Blackadder the what? Yeah.
1: Back and forth. Blackadder
2: the Victorian one. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't that, back and forth. Uh, that was
3: like the best Blackadder letter, I think.
2: Blackadder the Victorian one was Blackadder's Christmas Carol, and the series.
3: In the ah. series,
2: no, uh, It was a series. Yeah, I was, was, was like set in a London. Christmas Special wasn't it? The Christmas special. Yeah. I was all set in London. Yeah, Blackadder.
3: Black Black I was like the heir to the prince or something.
2: Oh no, that was Black Blackadder the Third, and that was that was uh, ah. well before Victorian times. Was it? And yes.
3: I'm just getting me history on. You can tell smashed. by the
2: wigs. But Victorian times is one of the most popular periods when it comes to anime and manga. Not set it's, in London, though. Yes, set in London. Really? Yes there's not lords but it's a really popular time period when oh, yeah, the, yeah. when you have an anime okay jojo's bizarre adventure the first first part of that is actually set in victorian times is that a time traveling series jo- no joseph joestar you know the pausing fighting one jojo's yeah, I know, bizarre I know adventure what that is. yes it's all about vampires and superpowers and various things like that there is no time traveling jojo the reason it's called jojo is because it's joseph star uh, joseph joestar and then there's, uh, it goes like Joe, Joe Star, kind of descendants of him along the Joe Star line, which is why it's called Jojo. Because there's two Joes, Joe and Joe.
3: Is it that time already? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. All I've got in <laughs> my yeah. head is now more Joe, Joe, Joe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, it's not my fault that he's a Philistine. Because I don't get more yeah. Jojo's Joe's bizarre adventure with Philistine. No, I want to be a Philistine. It's because I was
1: speaking words. <laughs> well, classics like Mr. Ben weren't in uh, Victorian
3: London. Mr. No, Ben's Mr. Ben wasn't one. in Victorian London. I mean, Mr. Ben but, wasn't.
2: But one of the most popular ones of recent years, which has caused all sorts of bishy madness, was Black Butler. And that oh, was set was in Victorian... That, oh, that was in Victorian times. Because everybody um, wants I t- a Japanese
3: butler I t- who t- serves I, them tea.
4: I, I just realised one that was um, set in Victorian era London, while well, more Edwardian, but upstairs, downstairs. Yeah, yes. best for getting that one.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, there was another Remember one. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that? Yep, that happened. <laughs> there's another one called, uh, there's another one which ha- a lot of people don't actually know about in the UK called Earl and Fairy. And this one was unusual because it was heavily steeped in the Victorian fairy tale literature and the, and the culture of fairies from around the Victorian time. And he used a lot of tropes from around that time period to tell a story between a member of the nobility and the land of fairies and his connection to them. It was an interesting series. But obviously the one that sits at the top, really sits at the top when it comes to manga and anime in general, Go on. is the one by Morikaru, who is a self-confessed Anglophile. Is this Emma again? Yep. Emma starts off in Victorian London. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: That's
2: where she starts off before... She has to move to the north of England, to Yorkshire, or somewhere like that. And that's where it all starts. It starts off in Victorian London.
3: But you go back to that era of literature though. Yeah. And not much of it actually takes place in London. There is a lot it, of
2: it that doesn't there's, take there's place like, in London. A lot
3: of it actually takes up place around in these parts and like. Yeah, Yorkshire Yorkshire's one of those kind of in uh, Cumbria and Yorkshire. And, and the Lake District. And that sort of area. <laughs> London. It was the same. Because of hills. Because there's there's London Hills. London Hills. The thing is though, London hasn't always been like the mass metropolis that it used to be. I mean, it even features in Vinland Saga. In Vinland Saga, it's basically a throwaway reference. It's like a little settlement of a few, a few houses in a, a bar or something. Kind of like Lazenby. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Ooh. not. But yeah, that's the thing. It It's used in a lot of things and it's, in that time, I thought it was like a legitimate sort of megalopolis and like the the capital. Yes. British stuff took place all over the place. Like the Brunty sisters, I don't think any of their stuff took place in uh, London. It was all, yeah. well, out in the country.
2: Do you know the weird thing? Um, the weird thing is that London has a history of around 2,000 years. Yeah? Or it, older than that. Yeah. The weird thing is, over that time, London has changed a lot over that time. We had the Victorian period, and a lot of what we see in kind of modern pop culture is a leg- it, it focuses on the legacy of the Victorian period. One of the other big things that we kind of forget is that London was really big for music during the 60s. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And the reason I say that is well, because... was
3: it London? Yeah. 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 London I'm thinking, was I'm thinking massive. Something else. London was massive for music. Oh, it was the whole cool Britannia, wasn't it? Yeah. Which they revived in the nineties, but it was like, nah. It was nowhere near as, near no, the size it was in the sixties. Like, it, it, it's like, it was Beatles, basically. The Beatles yeah. did it. And Beatles, uh, John Lennon Beaton's, said he was basically well, yeah. bigger than Jesus, the Bible. Yeah. And there's a reason behind that because yeah. everybody <laughs> screamed about them. Never did that for the Bible. But here's the thing. <laughs> well, they
2: did, but it was different. Here's the thing. When it came to music during the sixties, the kind of bands that you had coming out of England, um, but because Americans and people in other parts of the world, they it was kind of England or London, which one had they heard of, right? It, it's to give you an example. When my mother phones Bangladesh, she doesn't say I'm fawning from England. She says I'm fawning from London because they know London. For them, London and England are synonymous. They're the same. So if thing. you
3: say Middlesbrough, like, oh, what? what's what? Yes, they
2: do. They give you a blank look. They don't know anything about England. But if you say London, they go, "I know where that is." Don't know, do they? No, nah, they do. They, <laughs> but this is this is my point. The legacy of London, because London, for some reason, has become culturally much bigger than England as
3: a whole. Right, everything. Everything creative kind of comes through London. Yeah. It's not quite as, as drastic as that. The what, reason they, I'm saying that is because if, when you. There's just, like creative centers in the north and there's yeah, creative the, centers in the middle. There are. Now but Scotland. the legacy of London
2: is a lot bigger. And one of the reasons why I'm saying that is because if you take manga and anime, going back to that for a sec, if you take something like Beck or even K-On! Now, K-On! is basically cute girls doing cute things in cute ways. But, but then they music. did the K-On! movie, right? And it was basically the girls from the Light Music Club, and they're going on their graduation trip, and they decide to go to London. And so they're going through London, seeing all the musical sights and sounds of London. Yeah. Because it's
3: London, you know. Okay. I think we can take a break there. That's, that's as good as a stop and point as any. Yeah. Because it's story time with Rob this week, I think. And he's got a lot of stories to tell. But, well, uh, we'll... I used
2: to live in the city that we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll take a break. It, it
3: kind of helps. <laughs> we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Pick of the Geek, which I'm... I've got, uh, we've got some interesting things to talk about there that we are not mentioned, but, uh, yeah, we'll see you in a, in a few minutes. Yeah, I also haven't mentioned some of the more amazing stories. <laughs> oh, not they're not broadcastable, I think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we'll be back at in a minute. Hey, everybody, this is Quentin Flynn, and you are tuned in to The Geek Show.
2: It rocks. You roll. Got it memorised? Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Geek Show. And we're going to be doing our Pick of the Geek based on London. Things set in there. Things set in there. Things inspired by their... Well, I think I'm going to... Cakes,
3: biscuits. No, 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 no. no. Uh, uh, leading the way... Chelsea I'm... buns. And no, because I said,
1: like, the Great British Bake Off, anyway. You say <laughs> the Great ones. British Bake Off, and you're you're rejected.
3: <laughs> but, Why um, would I say the Great British Bake Off? Use any opportunity to talk about that. But uh, my first one, anyway, is... Uh... It's because Paul Hollywood's such a dreamboat. The f- the follow up was kind of ruined, I think, because it kind of took it took the magic and uh, ruined it a bit by moving it to Paris. But uh, American Werewolf in London has uh, he stolen yours, Aiden? <laughs> you <laughs> bastard! I'm older. I'm allowed to steal stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, American Werewolf in London it's it doesn't all take place in London. vitally. I mean the stuff and it, it observes like Britain as uh, England as a country. I mean, it all t- takes place was it in the north. Uh, well, the, 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 in the North York movies actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Where they find the, the, the bar. And it's like a Western, they walk in and everybody's just turns and pays attention to them. It's like a little bit like that. But when it gets to London, it's not so much London as a city, it's just that sort of cl- classic 70s feel, I think. I, I can't quite put it into, um, put it on the paper, but you know what I mean? That sort of, uh, so it was a real kind of cosmopolitan, and it wasn't like a big. It was just a place. It was a town, and it had this weird stuff going on there. It, it felt like a living, breathing place in that in that movie. Yeah. I don't think the stuff now have quite a good of a view of London as it was in that movie. If you see what I mean, hmm. but I enjoy the aspect of uh, the pro- well, the uh, representation of London and um, American wealth in London because the important thing there was. Uh, it was done by somebody who wasn't from there. And when you get somebody who does something from a certain place, they take it for granted. They don't like, understand the the subtleties and the nuances of it. But we've had uh, John Landis coming over from, I think he's Canadian actually, isn't he? Yeah. Uh Coming over and doing that. He appreciates London for what it was at that time, and he, he made a really, really good movie out of it. Really, really good movie. Short of the Dead. Ooh, good one, good call, good call, good call.
4: Well, honestly, what what else can I say with it, you know, because, because it's pretty much been praised, you know, wherever you go, but I, I think I will say this because it's really, you know, since it's a spoof of um, zombie moves, oh, for that matter, actually, um, what was it, 24 Days Later, was it 24? 28. 20 28, 28
2: Days Later. <laughs> I always get confused with that title. <laughs> 24 Days Later means that there's four days missing. <laughs> what happened during those four days? <laughs> He was hungover.
1: <laughs> and the aliens oh came no, and that's when the jigsaw. hangover
2: took place. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought you were going to say aliens come in and did the jigsaw. No, just in okay. the middle of the movie, it changes
2: movie completely and becomes the hangover. <laughs> <laughs> and then after, like, a four-day piece, becomes 28 Days Later again.
4: <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so yeah, Sean Dead is really just a spoof of like, the zombie films, but it's like so lovingly recreated in, you know, various... Well, it's basically a remake of Dawn of the Dead. It is basically a remake. J- but just in a London re- pub. Just replaced Dawn with Sean, and then, you know, it's a <laughs> No, remake. no, I mean,
3: actually, the the literal story... Yeah. ...is Dawn of the Dead. I know, that that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, it just didn't sound like you were uh, you agreed. Oh, but yeah, it's Dawn of the Dead is Sean of the Dead. Yeah. just take it from, like, a... A shopping centre in America to a pub in London. London, with some great, like qu- great, great quotes, and yes. all waiting for this to blow. It's like literally <laughs> all the plot beats are borrowed, except they yeah. don't drive like go off in a helicopter at the end of it. He's <laughs> go back to playing Time Splitters in the shed. Yeah, <laughs> 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 whilst Queen's playing in the background. Yeah. Uh, and, anyway, yeah, good pick though. There, good pick.
1: Yeah, well, we haven't touched on games not so oh, much, not uh, but this one is so London that you have to mention it, and that's yeah, to get away. I thought you would have gone with Grand Theft Auto London. And that's what I was thinking.
2: <laughs> well, we can group them together. Because that was kind of the Italian job as well, wasn't yeah, it? Grand Italian Theft Auto job. London.
1: That was a game as well, wasn't it? Anyway. And there is another game
2: that I'm, <laughs> that I'm surprised you didn't mention, because it actually has London in the title. That's
3: Gangs of London. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can't remember that one. <laughs>
3: Boy, what were you going to say about that It wasn't of, a yeah? good game, though. Yeah, but it? anyway, the getaway.
1: It was very, very, very London, and... It
3: was mapped on London, actually, wasn't it?
1: Wasn't it, Famously, yeah. Famously, yeah. Even the second one as well, but it was brilliant, and although the Cockney accents did
3: it get a little yeah. bit annoying, but... Yeah. Imagine yeah. living with that accent, though. <laughs>
1: Imagine having the
3: accent. Exactly. But it's it a bit of an oddity now, isn't it? And the getaway. Not, uh, fictional fared one that they were supposed to. Um, my, uh, <laughs> pick is also don't video game. don't I get a pick? I'm trying to, instigate some artery. you going well, all over the place. Well, Let's no. just go me, Rob, and Andy, and then, yeah, done. I, I was trying to
2: go around that way, but it
4: kind of went, it kind of went from you to, then I'm exactly opposite Rob, and then, <laughs> to so, Andrew. So and I'm, you. I'm instigating it's artery. my turn. So I'm time. going now. It's my
2: turn. Then I go last. It's my turn. Oh, go on then. It's my turn, and I'm going to go for the original hero with a secret identity. The very first one. The Scarlet Pimpernel. Isn't that French, though? No, it's not. Everyone thinks it's French because he was saving people who were going to be beheaded by a guillotine. But check this out. This is what the Scarlet Pimpernel was. His name was Sir Percy Blakeney, And he was a master of disguise, an imaginative planner, a formidable swordsman, and a quick-thinking escape artist. He was the archetype for kind of Zorro, Batman, you name it. He came first. And it's just the fact that he's called Percy, number one, which I find (laughs) hilarious. Number two, there was a TV series of him with Richard E. Grant playing Sir Percy Blakeney when Richard E. Grant was a lot younger and fitter, that is. And he was amazing. He was absolutely superb as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Who was watching him in the Scarlet Pimpernel? That made me such a fan of Richard E. Grant because he was—he was superb. He had that kind of—you know—you know—he does that really, really wry, tongue-in-cheek humor, and he just kind of punches just above groin height enough to make you laugh, but not enough to make you fall off your chair. But you—you you really want to. Okay. It, it's got a lot of that humor inside in his version of the Scarlet Pimpernel. It was superb. It was brilliant. And... Uh, what second choice?
4: Or
3: I right, mean, let's just wrap it up now. Like second yeah. and third. Second, yeah. second and third. Yeah,
4: uh, I've got nothing at the moment. I have to research. So, someone else, please. <laughs> someone I've got else, one please. We haven't
1: mentioned yet. Go Austin on. Powers. Which one? All three of them.
2: Okay.
5: Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, the first Austin Powers, when they did that whole intro sequence to Austin Powers with the dance sequence and everything mm-hmm. like it's that. It's got the best Could gag that in that it,
3: one? the first one. Which one? Where he gets the little truck stuck. <laughs> <in the
1: alley>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't, when he goes, I want you to know, nip across the street and get me some sherbet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Yeah, that is a fun one. How do I right
3: tell her I have no inner monologue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good film, the first Austin Powers. I won't deny that one. I will say
2: there is one survival horror game that uh that I just remembered and I don't know why Austin Powers just led me into it but Zombie U. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Zombie U because it's all set in London, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a it's the
1: same it's, game as the PC version, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it is. Yes. It's a really good game as well. Especially okay. if you play it on the Wii U. It's one of the be- better games on the Wii U. It's really weird how that works.
3: Is this my turn now? Yes uh i'm going to pick one which is such a weird choice but i'm going with it anyway because of its weirdness but uh ninja gaiden 3 razors edge i think it was called the subtitle it's a ninja game it's a legit ninja game it's one of the most notoriously difficult ninja games there is we've got it in the cupboard (laughs) and it has it has a level set in london Yes. It's just such an odd thing to put in a game about sort of swordsmanship and yeah, didn't, um, didn't demons and monsters. And you have a level set in London with like the cobbled streets and all these sort of classic tells of London. Mm. And yeah, it's a ninja game, ninja Gaiden three. I've got another movie i to throw it in there. And I'm amazed no one said it yet.
2: And it is basically the best of all the Bond movies, Skyfall. Well, it's a lot in Scotland as well. Yeah, but there's a lot of it in London as well. Yeah. The attack on MI6, the mm. hearing, everything like that. You can say the full James Bond franchise, though. Yeah, but Skyfall is the best mm. of the Bond
3: movies by a long way. I wouldn't say by a long way, but yeah, probably the best. License yeah. to Kill is probably...
2: License the... to Kill, with Timothy Dalton's License mm. to Kill, was really good as well. I liked it,
3: but
1: is that...
2: it was set in kind of the hot times. Is
1: that
3: the second one that he did? Yeah, that's I think the worst so, yeah. of the one he did. Living Daylights is the better one. <laughs> no, Living Daylights wasn't the better one. License to Kill was the like, better one. Is License to Kill the only Bond movie that has a head explosion. I don't think so. I think that was Living Daylights. I don't know. Oh no. License to Kill was the one where it they goes wrong. were was set in London. <laughs> the one was set in Miami. Yeah, like license... uh, somebody's putting like a microwave and he has a head explosion. Uh,
2: that might be License to Kill, I don't know. But I think
3: it's License to Kill.
2: Possibly, yeah. License to Kill was the one where it
3: goes wrong. Yeah, it's License to Kill. Yeah. It's not the better one, it's the worst of the two. Living Daylights wasn't that good. Ah, oh, was, man. License to Kill was much better. You idiot.
2: <laughs>
4: uh,
1: Philistine.
2: Uh, it, uh, well, this is going to continue. Eden, have, you
3: then then have you got a pick? got yeah. pick now?
4: Just put it to a vote. Yeah. Definitely not Pick of the Geek. It's the absolute worst that I could pick, but honestly, my mind's just fizzled. So anyway, Age of Kill. Yeah. Age of Kill? Yeah. It's Terrible. <laughs>
3: Age of kill. <laughs> if we're going for terrible ones, I just want to ram this out by Danny Dyer has made a career off London and career, London's made a career off him, but there's one particular highlight from his filmography. It's not setting London, but it's so London. It's it it's just baffling. it's So London. Yeah, it's called Alison Blunderland.
5: <laughs> it's
3: it's Danny Dyer's starring even remake of Alison Sunderland and he plays the White Rabbit. He plays the White Rabbit. And not Alison Sunderland, Alice in Wonderland. Alison Sunderland is a completely different thing. But yeah, Alison Wonderland, and he plays the White Rabbit. He's a taxi driver. He's a taxi driver, <laughs> Yeah, and he plays the White Rabbit. Basically. He is the oh White my Rabbit, God. but he's like a oh London my, cab taxi God. driver. Oh, God. But anyhow, I think on that bombshell, we have ran out of time. Can I Can
2: I throw in there a movie that I wish they'd stop showing on TV? Go ahead. Notting Hill, I'm tired of that movie being shown
3: on TV. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I mean, it's anything that, um, the guy who wrote it did. They have a very poor, uh, very cheesy sentimentality. Yeah, in I, uh, London.
2: Uh, that and the fact that I'm tired of Hugh Grant's stupid face. Yeah. Imagine
3: how do you know how you must feel?
2: Well, I mean, they had About a Boy. And I've got to say, between the two of them, About a Boy is actually a much better film.
3: It is. And it's got Nicholas Hoult as a little, uh, urchin as well. Exactly. <laughs>
2: No, about the Boy is a much better film, because Hugh Grant is actually playing a character that is more in tune with who he is in real life. Okay, so
3: yeah, we'll have to um, wrap it up there. Yes. Mm. This is all we have time for. But yeah, this has been the Geek Show's episode about stuff in places this week about London. Mainly about London. Um, any ideas for what we're going to do next week? New York. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Why? Not? why not? Space. New York, New York. The moon! <laughs> Later, Hosen. Let's just be stupid again, eh? <laughs> moon and, uh, Nazis. Anyhow, yeah, that's all we have time for. We'll be back next week and we'll talk about something. Maybe New York, maybe something else. Uh, but you can follow us on Facebook by searching for The Geek Show and it'll be our logo. will be the, the man in the hat. Uh, on Twitter, TGS underscore The Geek Show. And we'll be having a lot of competitions in the run up. Um, the one to look forward to, though, especially is our Christmas competition, which needs to be seen to be believed um but yeah you can find us on the geek show dot uk if you subscribed or listen to us on iTunes please do give us a rating or a star or a comment it does help us immensely uh or on SoundCloud or Mixcloud which is the music version of the show or stitcher but yes there's loads of places to get involved loads of places to listen to us but uh, yeah we have been the geek show broadcasting from the uk. <laughs> I've been Rob. I have been Rob I've been Rob I've been Aidan. and I've been Andy I'll see you next time and thank you for listening.